This is episode number 39 with Chris and Laurie Harder. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, and I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe to uncover the habits, mindsets, tools, and rituals that they have used to become world-class so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? After an 11-year career as an executive and a partner in the banking industry, Chris experienced plenty of career success, but severely lacking fulfillment and was completely burnt out. So, He retired from banking in 2011 in order to pursue greater success and fulfillment by partnering up with his wife, Lori, and her brand, LoriHarder.com. Along with growing their successful Isagenics network marketing business, Chris now handles most of the business affairs and business coaching for the two multi-million dollar brands and has found exactly the happiness he was seeking in a career. Now, Laurie is a leading expert in the field of fitness, transformational work, mindfulness, and self-love. As a self-made millionaire, successful entrepreneur, network marketing professional, author, cover model, three-time fitness world champion, and TEDx speaker, she offers a carefully curated set of practical tools to promote sustainable health, spiritual well-being and financial freedom. Through her books, unique coaching methods and programs, she has helped countless people connect with their soul, transform their bodies, empower their minds, gain financial independence and fall in love with themselves and their lives. Now, the first time I met Laurie, she interviewed me many years ago on her podcast when my book, Mastering Your Mean Girl, came out. And I loved her energy and her beautiful nature. And she's doing such great things in the world with her man, which is why I am so pumped to have them on the show today. In today's episode, we chat about their magical love story and how it evolved over the years, their top five tips on how to live and work together. These are epic. You'll want to take notes. The number one key to a successful relationship, the importance of understanding the masculine and feminine and how they navigate between the two energy systems, the biggest challenge with each other and how they move through it, the biggest misconception about them as a couple, how they keep their love and relationship exciting and fresh after over a decade together, why self-love is the key to a successful relationship, what they are currently wanting to improve and work on within themselves, plus so much more. There are so many nuggets of wisdom in this episode. You guys are going to love it. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 39. I am so excited for you guys to hear this amazing episode with the beautiful Chris and Laurie Harder. 
Welcome, guys. I am so pumped to have you on the show. But before we dive in, I would love to hear what each of you had for breakfast this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we intermittent fast. So I had some coffee with almond milk. Yeah, (laughs) same thing here. Coffee with almond milk until about noon. And then I finally had a protein shake meal replacement. Mm. Oh, yeah. So you guys are into the whole bulletproof? Yeah, you know, we mix it up. Sometimes we do bulletproof. Sometimes we just do coffee and almond milk. So for the most part, we just don't eat until 11 or 12. And I have to tell you, the reason we started doing that is because we love to eat bigger dinners and drink wine and have champagne once in a while. So we just <laughs> we just find that it works really well with our lifestyle and we can get away with a lot more. And we're just not hungry in the morning. So we've done that since, I don't know, for maybe a year now. Yeah, coming up on a year. It's the most energy I've ever had. Um, doing intermittent fasting every day. So we decided to roll with it. Yeah, great. I love it too. It's so good. I love a juicy love story. So can you guys take us back to where it all began for Chris and Lori? This goes way back because we are coming up on our 12th anniversary, August 27th. And We have been together 15, almost 16 years. So we're going to take you back to the early 20-somethings, like just turning 20. And we met in a gym, uh, which I think is absolutely amazing because we had the foundation of wanting to be fit, um, but we also still were holding on to our party lifestyle. So somehow I don't really know how we made it through, but it's really funny because when I met him, I was so not interested because I had literally just moved to this new gym and got hit on by two other guys right before he came up to me because it was this tiny, tiny town. And they were just happy that another female was in the vicinity of the town. And poor Chris was like the third one to come up that day. And I was like, where am I? This doesn't happen to me. Like I'm in the twilight zone. What is going on? And poor Chris was like, the third person to come up and I was not interested. So he kind of then, what was it? Six months after that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was a victim of bad timing, right? So <laughs> as, as we were leaving the gym, I said, Hey, are you new here? And I, I got kind of the coldest, most rude hey. response. Just a quick, uh, yeah. And she got right back in her car and that was the end of it. So I thought, I thought okay, I'm, I'm not interested, but the problem is I was interested. We saw each other at the gym quite a bit after that. And a few months went by and I think she finally took pity on me and, and started no. the conversation with a, a simple hi and turned into a friendship from there. Um, I think it was a, a friendship where I had ulterior motives, but I was willing to get what I could get at the moment <laughs> and uh, wore her down. And you know, here we are celebrating 12 years next week. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And when did you guys get married along that journey? Uh, we got married about three years after that. So I think we were still in the friends phase for maybe eight months to a year. And then we don't really know when that line got crossed, to be honest with you. It's kind of funny because we're just like, when did we move from friends into more than friends? And we had this thing where we were like, you know, we're good. We don't need to get married. We don't need to put titles on ourselves. Why are we going to do this? We see our friends falling apart. They get married and they're telling us they're miserable. And then all of a sudden one day we, were, we just thought, you know what? We don't have to be like everyone else. We can kind of create our own way of being. And if we want to be married because we're saying to everyone else we're committed, then that's what we're going to show everyone else is that we're committed. And from there on out, it just... 
I think that also opened this new language that we kind of started creating without knowing it. Mm. So one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you guys on the show, uh, and especially for this segment, Relationship Goals, is because from my seat, you guys live and work together. And not only are you working together, but you're doing such inspiring things in the world. Now, I live and work with my husband and it has been an interesting journey. And I think hands down, anyone who can do it, like it deserves a medal. Um, So, what are your top five tips to make this really work? Like, Like, let's not sugarcoat it. Like, how do you guys really make this work? This is one of our favorite things to talk about, one of our favorite things to be vulnerable about. So I'm I'm so glad that you actually asked the question. Um, I'll start with tip number one. And tip number one was an important one for me to learn. And that was, we you have to learn how each person wants to be communicated with. And what I mean by that is, when I first started, when I first came home and started working with Lori, I was used to 11 years in corporate America as an executive in banking. And I was very used to hierarchy. And it was kind of a boys club. And you, you were very direct with each other. And there wasn't a lot of touchy-feely emotion processing <laughs> involved. It was the, the shortest route to a message possible was the best way to get a message across. And so here I come home and I want to talk about goals and budgets and plan, marketing plans. And I'm very direct with it all. And I, we were miserable at first. It took us about six months to acknowledge that we had a communication problem and to work on that communication problem and to literally ask each other, Lori, how do you want me to ask you about the budget? How do you want me to talk about this goal, this revenue goal that we need to hit or this marketing plan that we need to take a look at? And she taught me how she wanted to be communicated with. And I kind of taught her how I wanted to be communicated communicated with. And it turned into this kind of this beautiful new language, so to speak, that we developed together. And so it, it doesn't happen overnight, but it has to be a conversation that's put on the table and had, or nothing else will fall into place. I love that. And really, I'm just going to spin off of that and say, learning how to fight or argue, because two really passionate people you're going to raise your voice. <laughs> you are going, you're going to fight. So there are some people that I know who don't fight, but honestly, some of our fights are the most, um, they get the most done. And when I say we, we respect each other when we raise our voices, we know what the boundary is on the line that can be, you know, where you cannot cross the line, what you can say to each other. And once in a while, of course, that line does get crossed because you're basically on it when you're, both very passionate. And then you have to know that you are super committed to peace. At the end of the day, Chris and I both know that we're committed to peace in our relationship. And we also know we have, we have new rules. Well, not new rules. We have rules that we kind of set in from the beginning. Like I used to run away when there were arguments. That's how I dealt with it. I was like, I just need to get out of the house. I have to leave. Well, that doesn't solve anything. And it actually made it worse for us. So he picked up on that right away. So I'm not able to leave. I can stay in the house. I can go somewhere else, but then we need to come back, circle back and conclude the argument. Like we always conclude 
the argument and we know how to have the conversation. So understand that you're going to get heated. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means two really passionate people coming together over a topic, especially when you're doing business. Um, but know, you know, how elevated are you comfortable with getting? Like, don't raise your voice with me or, you know, just different. You kind of have to just know what that is for you and communicate it. And then I would say my tip number three is that you have to build in these physical and mental barriers. You have to build in these changes of state, so to speak, in order to separate being a business, being business partners and being a romantic couple. So for example, a couple of things that we've learned that are non-negotiables are every single night, we mark the end of our business day with a three mile walk. It takes us about an hour. And sometimes we're friendly right away in the walk. And sometimes it takes us 45 minutes out of, the, out of the hour to even say the first word to each other. But without that physical change of state and, and that huge pause between workday and then being a romantic couple, we would just fall into the trap of taking the garbage of whatever happened that day into the evening. And so that's been one of the, the best things out there for us to make sure that we stay a romantic couple day in and day out on top of being business partners. And one more example of something that we've built in that's really helped is something called Fridays. Now, it might be different for everybody, but ours was on Friday. And we made a rule that it was non-negotiable, um, that we could not book anything, even if it was important, on Fridays. Because that was our one day to put ourselves first and go do some kind of really fun date. And I had I have a blast planning those. And so it was, you know, at first uncomfortable because we both had to say no to very important opportunities, but we found those opportunities will always come around again or do it later in the following week or something like that. If this Friday or whatever you want to call it really means something to you. Mm, I love that. I'm taking notes, guys. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number four, I would say learn each other's love languages because that is it's so crazy how you could be loving on someone by doing a million acts of service and making sure that they're taken care of and buying them cards and saying all of these beautiful things to them. Except if your husband's love language is physical touch, he doesn't give a crap about any of it for the most part or notice it and feels a bit neglected. So for me, it's like I you know, I had to learn that his love language was physical touch just to really maybe sit on the couch or cuddle at the end of the night or to grab his hand or to just physically acknowledge that he is there in the room, whether it's we're working together, whatever we're doing. And that's a huge thing for him. But for a long time, I didn't know that. So he wasn't feeling seen. He wasn't feeling loved. And for me, you know, I'm words of effort. I'm like words of affirmation to the nth degree. So I want him to tell me things over and over and over again. And at first he's like, oh my God, I just told you why I love you. And I'm like, but I would like to hear it again, please. (laughs) (laughs) Ten more times. Yes. So I think that's a huge one is learning each other's love languages and accepting them. So if it's not yours and you really are committed to this relationship, learn different ways that you could start um, really implementing those things in your life daily or set reminders. Just do anything if that person's important to you to remember how to communicate with them. And then I would say the fifth one is to understand that you are not each other's coach. 
it's just not going to go well if I'm trying to coach her on something or she's trying to coach me on something. Instead, make sure you have outside sources, whether it's a, a small mastermind group you meet with all the time, whether it's a close group of friends that'll you know, tell you objectively what you should do or not do, uh, whether it is some kind of coach or mentor that you hire, you can't be each other's coach because although the information you're trying to coach each other on might be important, it's just not well received when it's your significant other. And quite honestly, it's one of the least romantic and one of the, the least affectionate things that you can do as a couple is to sit there and talk about, you know, why you need to improve this or why you need to improve that or, you know, why this went wrong. So make sure you're seeking that outside influence or that outside coaching instead of relying on each other for that. And I think we're, we'll do a bonus round. And I know that we both feel this way on this one, but it is grow together uh, in any way possible and support each other's crazy ideas, at least listen to them and at least go along for a ride so that you can understand what the other person is involved in. Because it is really, it becomes really challenging when two people, even if it's for personal growth, maybe someone's going off in one direction and, or maybe, you know, they want to start this thing or they want to go to this place and experience something Well, the thing is, when you go and do these personal development things or these events, or you go and you have this massive life experience, you come back a different person. And it's really hard to share that experience with your spouse. And they can feel a bit left behind. They can feel like they don't understand. So the best way to do that is say, hey, you know, I want to go to this event. I know it might not be your thing, but I don't want to grow apart from you. I would love for you to be there. It doesn't mean you have to do the thing with me, but if you could just go and see it or experience just a little bit of it so that we can make sure we're always on each other's paths at least a little bit. And I think that's been really huge for us because there was a time when I was going off and doing these events and these courses and working with these different coaches without Chris. And we did start to feel like we were um, moving apart. I was starting to wonder what conversations I could have with him that didn't feel too crazy or too off the wall to him or this new language that I was learning that he wasn't a part of. So that's when we really sat down and had the conversation, um, that I want to have him at these things. Like, could we just give him, you know, give it this chance. And I may, may or may not have kind of tricked him into a couple of the things, which isn't a good idea. Um, (laughs) But it does, it does definitely happen. You know, Lori's right. It's, it's each of our responsibility to choose to keep growing, but sometimes you need that loving nudge from each other. And you know, the old adage, you won't get what you don't ask for. Don't just sit there and wish that your significant other would would grow along with you. You know, flat out ask for it, bring it up. and, And of course, bring it up in the right way. But I look back at the number of times that Lori has asked me to go to something that's uncomfortable or asked me to read this or asked me to, you know, for lack of a better term, grow a little bit. And um, every single time, while I may not have been happy in the moment, it's turned out that I'm much happier afterwards. So don't be afraid to ask or you're not going to get that growth out of your partner anyways. Guys, this is such gold. Like everything you're saying is so awesome. I'm taking notes and I'm going to like go out and talk to my husband after this and and say, this is what Laurie and Chris said. (laughs) But what do you think is the number one key to a successful relationship? Uh, Communication all the way and creating space for each other to communicate. 
Because if you don't have that space, you're not going to do it. I, I number one, if I could tell people one thing that we believe has kept us together is our walks because it is forcing us to move our bodies and be together for an hour and start talking even when we didn't want to, because you will choose to not talk to each other at home. If you are in resistance or if you are annoyed with each other, or if there was an argument, it's too easy to let all of these things pile up and build stories. But let me tell you, when you are on a walk for a solid hour, it will absolutely come up. (laughs) We were just saying today, like, it, it might be 45 minutes in and he still has not said a word to me and I have not said a word to him and I'll just be super pissy and I'll be like, so you're not going to talk to me? And that's, that's the first, <laughs> that's the conversation opener, right? And it's like, okay, at least we're talking. At least we've said one thing. But if it was at home, I would have gone all night not saying a word to him. Maybe we would have went to bed angry. We wouldn't have moved our body. We would have been stuck in the same environment where that energy, that anger, everything is stuck. It's like, get out, move it around. It changes your perspective. You, you remember what's really important. Maybe you just start by saying, can we at least go through some gratitudes and you're not going to want to, and maybe you're going to swear at the other person, but (laughs) like, it's so stupid. And then you'll shift in to what you really believe and what you really feel. And at the end of the day, it's that peace that you want to come back to. It's that love that you want to come back to. Yeah, guys, I totally agree. Nick and I do walks every single day and we have a thing called a seventure, which is a surprise slash adventure. And every day it's one person's responsibility to create this adventure. And it might just be a little extra stroll or it might be um, a little massage or just a little love note that we've left under the other person's pillow or something just so small like massage or something like that. And it really does make a difference because when you are in each other's space or all day, it uh, it really makes such a difference to stop and honor each other and give each other that little bit of extra love. And I've got my next book coming out. It's called Open Wide, The Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex. And in this book, I talk a lot about the importance of understanding the roles of the masculine and the feminine energies, not only within our relationship, but within ourselves and all of our relationships. So, how does this show up for you guys? Because it's a very, it's very interesting for me because when I'm in, you know, budgets and looking at revenue and marketing plans, I'm very much in my masculine. And then I have to kind of do some changing of my own state to step back into my feminine wife role. So I'm curious to know how you guys kind of dance between these masculine and feminine energies. You know, I'm, I'm going to let Lori kind of answer this, but I first want to acknowledge how true it is for both men and women to make sure that you understand even to begin with what it's like to be in your masculine or, or to be in your feminine. Because you're right, if two people are in their masculine too much, or if two people are in their feminine too much, then problems are going to arise. And so you have to be very conscious of it. And, and you can't be conscious of it if you don't even know that it exists. And I feel like it's something that women typically are more aware of than men. So you know, for any men that are listening, this really is a very important thing to learn, to be conscious of, and, and to work at. Mm-hmm. 
I would say that we, the, the conscious shift for me, a lot of times is the walk because we do it at the end of the night. And it takes me that time to come down, to get into gratitude, to, I actually think of the word soften. Like I'll say it in my head, just like soften, soften, because I notice that my muscles are tense. My brain is firing on all cylinders. I'm walking fast. I'm talking fast. And I'm like, what would it feel like if I was just softer? <laughs> and that's been super helpful for me. Sometimes what I've done, and it's not all the time, but it's definitely helpful, is you can go and just lay like if your husband or your partner whoever is on the couch like just go and lay on their lap or go lay next to them like see if you can just start to calm down or come into a different place like for with Chris I'll be like could you just play with my hair for a while or could you just do you know like tickle my face or something like I have to just think consciously about getting into a new role because I'm sure you can relate to this like when you are in work mode like just maybe you're creating a program or you're getting something out. It's like, especially launch mode. (laughs) It can be very like just powerful. It's a force. It's forward movement. It's like nothing slowing you down, especially affection or time with someone. So it's a conscious thing that I have to remember. And once in a while, it's really bad because I have to say things like, Play is productive. Like, that's okay. It's okay. This is good. Like, it's good to slow down. This is helpful. And then it actually gets my mind into knowing, yes, this is my, this is a beautiful state for me. I create even better from this state. But sometimes I have to do those bridging words. If I'm in power mode, it's hard for me to soften right away. You know, it's something that Lori and I have worked on a lot and have talked about a lot. And especially Lori, I got to give kudos to Lori because like she said, she gets in that mode where she is all powerful and just steaming forward. And then she won't even let me open the doors for her little things that are very important to me, like opening the car door for her. She's like, Oh, I can get that. I can get my own door or opening a a building door or planning little dates when she feels too busy for them. And I've seen her give in. Matter of fact, sometimes out loud, she'll even say, "Never mind. I know that's important for you. Go ahead and get my door. And it's funny. She has to say it out loud, but that's her processing the transition from masculine to feminine, because it's very important to me that I get to do things for her that make me feel masculine. And then it's very important to her that she gets to receive and not just be out there giving, giving, giving all the time. Guys, I love this so much. I do a lot of what Tony Robbins says, um, changing of the state. So for me, you know, during the day, very much in power mode and then having a shower and rubbing myself with coconut oil and essential oils and putting on a dress or, you know, just tying up my hair or even just putting on some lip balm or going for a walk. Like all of those things really help shift my state. And I love love what you said, Chris. Having the awareness is so important because so many people don't even know how important understanding the roles of the masculine and feminine within yourself and your relationship. And they, you know, are just butting heads with their lover and they're not sure why, but if they start to just bring a little bit more attention and awareness to the ideas of the masculine and the feminine, I feel like life starts to flow a lot more effortlessly. It truly does. We've just noticed like life has gotten so much easier in the past, I would say two years of, we've always worked together pretty well, but I would say the last two years we've been so proud of each other. We're like, wow, we're 
we're doing good, but it's because of this awareness. It's because when both of us feel something come up, we speak it right away and we try to figure it out together. And sometimes it takes a long time and sometimes it takes arguments. But for the most part, it's like, if you're, if you're so committed and you're aware and you communicate, you can get through pretty much everything. Communication and and vulnerability. I, I feel like those are two areas in the feminine that men could spend more time. And a lot of times it's uncomfortable for us to be so vulnerable or to, you know, communicate as much as, as our partner wants us to communicate with. But the more I've given into that, the happier I've been as an individual. And then when I'm a happy individual, it's really easy to be a happy couple. You know, I just want to, something that he said just um, made me think of not relying on each other for everything that you need. I think a lot of times what we can do is we can look at other relationships and women can say, why can't you be more like so-and-so or why can't you do this for me? Like, you know, this person. And number one, that just makes people feel like total crap. Number two, your husband, your wife, your partner, your spouse is not going to be everything for you. I have a a beautiful group of friends where I'm going to analyze and process and be like, do whatever crazy spiritual thing that I need to do over here. And while Chris does a lot of that with me, there's some stuff like I'm just not going to analyze for a full day with Chris because he doesn't go, he just, that's not his personality. So I'm going to not hold him to that. And I'm going to do that with these women over here or some topics he's just not going to want to dig into. And I am. And so I'm not going to hold him to being the person that has to process with me at all times or the person who has to go enjoy, you know, this new yoga retreat, maybe that's more specifically geared towards certain things. So it's kind of like knowing where you're going to connect, knowing what your husband is going to do knowing what groups of friends are going to have for different things. And something that one of my amazing friends in my mastermind says is to collect people. And I love it because technically or normally that has a negative connotation, just collect people. But if you view it as collect people for all of the different amazing things that you, that you are in the different um, personalities that I think that we all have and the different characteristics that we have and all these different desires that we have, you know, maybe this person you go dancing with, this person makes you laugh, this person you learn fashion from, this person is your spiritual sister, this person, you know, is your is your business like master guru, but you're not going to do all of those things with those different people. So collect people to fill in the gaps and stop thinking that your husband has to be everything or your wife or your partner, because that is so much pressure. Oh my gosh, yes. This is exactly what I talk about in my book. It's so important because there's a lot of women I feel that, and I used to be the same, you want your husband or your partner to wear every single hat. You want them to be your fashion stylist and your coach and your bestie. And they, they at the end of the day, they can't wear all of those hats. And I'm like you, Laurie, I know what friends to go to for what. Like I've got my friends that I want to be really silly and girly with. And if I'm feeling like that, I know where to go. And if there's, you know, women that I want to talk about parenting and conscious parenting with, and I know where to go for that. So yeah, I love that. That's a really cool concept. So I'm curious to know now, what is one thing that challenges you most in your relationship about each other? What is it and how do you work through it? I'm actually just buying time. 
because I'm trying to think of something. Um, I'm definitely challenged by, um, still, I think communication. Sometimes we meet every Monday with our team. We do a big team meeting and I find still the communication style, which I, but see, this is where I have decided to accept, um, part of it as his passion and who he is, but it can still really hit me hard. It can still really bother me. It can still really fire me up and get me going. Um, so I would say some of the communication, but I also, it's so funny because the exact same communication is some of the things I don't want him to lose because it's his fire, but the fire can really burn me sometimes. Um, so I would definitely say that's it for me. For me, it would be, you know, still just chipping away at, at building more of a habit out of physical touch and cuddling and slowing down once in a while and slipping in a couple more vacations once in a while and, and just play. Let's classify everything, yeah. all that under play. Um, because one of the things I love about Lori, it's also one of the biggest challenges, and that is she'll put her head down and go 100 miles an hour until she hits a wall. And I would much prefer that we do all of these different versions of play sprinkled in so that she doesn't hit a wall instead of just keeping that head down, plowing forward. So it's a, it's a work in progress. And I think it always will be because like she said about me, it's a core personality trait that we're trying to soften up, soften up a little bit. Now you guys are in the public eye and it's very easy for others to put you on a pedestal, but we all face, you know, these same challenges that you guys have spoken about so far. So is there a common misconception that the public have about you guys as a couple? Whoa, I, I heard one today. Oh, Actually, I heard it twice today. It's so weird. So I had a lot of interviews and stuff today. Um, twice I heard People say, it seems like you spend 100% of your time together and you're always happy. And you know they'll say, watching your IG stories, you're always together. Every single day, you're always happy. And the truth of the matter is, you know, we're together a lot, maybe a little bit more than other couples, but we work really hard to build separate lives outside of each other so that we stay interesting to each other and that we have things to talk about to each other. Um, so there's a lot of times maybe I just need to show it more on IG stories that I'm hanging out with a, other friends or other buddies or, or other people um, and that we're not together all the time. And, and the whole you're happy together all the time. That is that's not true for anybody. You know, it's just we don't air our arguments. We don't air our dirty laundry, I guess, mainly because, you know, we're all about positivity. And, and secondly, because who wants to hear that stuff anyways? But boy, do we have them. They're short lived. And we've done a good job of squashing them now, but boy, do we have them. Yeah, I, I think those are the same thing or just your, it seems like you never fight. And I'm like, we just know how. We've just mastered the art of of kind of heated communication. Um, and I would say just like the, yeah, you're you're always together thing, which we are, we are together a lot. But what we do is, you know, we'll go to the gym together, but he's got a trainer and I have a separate trainer. Or I go and do my thing. So we go and work out totally different. We typically give each other space. That's the one thing we're really good at is we can be together so much because we also know each other's um, needs when you're around the house. Like he knows to leave me alone for most of the day and I leave him alone for most of the day and we just kind of do our thing. And we that's, that's the exciting part is kind of coming together in the evening or coming together in the afternoon for small meetings, 
saying what we need to say, communicating, and then we go our separate ways. So we found our work style that works for us. I think today is a great example. We've been in the same house all day, but coming together for this interview at the end of the day is the first time I've literally seen Lori um, since we went to our workout this morning. Mm, I love that. Guys, yeah, this is just such gold. And I love how honest and authentic you are being. And I'm really grateful. Um, And I love that you said, you know, of course, you know, you have the dirty laundry, but why plaster that all over social media? It stinks. Yeah. And I think that's one, that's one really important thing to us is that we, if we have problems, we're not going to talk to anyone else, unless it is a friend that we know is also committed to our relationship. We will not have that conversation with anyone else that we know is maybe not in a good relationship who could possibly sway us or give us some bad advice or anything like that. For the most part, we talk to each other or people who will give us very sound advice on our relationship. That's really important, isn't it? It's so important who you go to for your advice. Oh my God. I think it's probably one of the biggest uh, pitfalls that people don't realize is maybe going out on a girl's night with a bunch of single friends who wouldn't mind if you were single and don't mind. They don't even realize it. They might love you to death, but some of the things that they might say might sway you. And it's really important to um, know who you're talking to. I agree. So how do you guys keep your love and your relationship exciting and fresh? Besides the daily walks, what are some other things that you guys do to really keep it exciting and fresh? A while back, and I mean years ago, Lori had seen somebody being interviewed a book about a book called, um, what was it, babe? How to cheat on your spouse with your spouse or how to cheat on your husband with your husband. And the concept was all about putting yourself in new in uncomfortable situations so that you then see that person in a totally different light um, because they're coming across very differently when they're in, in this new and uncomfortable first time situation. And so we've done a lot of that, you know, Lori put us in these dance lessons a, a handful of years ago and she dragged me there kicking and screaming and I hated the first month of it. But then once you started to learn how to do it, it started to become a little bit fun. And then she threw us into these dance competitions and I hated every minute of it, but we came together, you know, all the fighting and arguing in the ear as we're embracing each other dancing. We came together because we, we saw each other in this brand new light and had to literally learn how to support each other's weaknesses. And so that's like one of many examples where we try to put ourselves into brand new situations so that we see each other in brand new lights. Another one was a while back, she in this interview, she referenced the time that she kind of tricked me to going into a retreat. Well, this was a trip to Costa Rica two and a half years ago or two years ago. And she said it was a kind of a surf and meditation yoga camp. And so I thought it was going to be mostly surfing and a little bit of yoga and, and fun. And I got there and it was mostly meditation and like really weird, brand new versions of meditation <laughs> um, and lots of yoga, more than I've ever done in my life added together. And maybe we got to surf on our little bit of free time on the day off. And so I got there that night and right away I said to her, I said, babe, this is not what I signed up for. Don't let this be the first big rift in our marriage, but I'm going to fly home tomorrow because I'm not interested in, in any of this. And she said, no problem, but there's no flights out until tomorrow out of Costa Rica. So would you come along with us tonight? We're going to go see all these sea turtles that are hatching. There's hundreds of thousands of them that come up from the water at once. It's really majestic. And so I went 
And by the end of the night, four or five hours later, I had so much fun with the people that were there. And I had so much fun on the beach. And I had so much fun on the trip there and the trip back and talking to everybody afterwards that I went to bed. And when I woke up the next day, I said, babe, I'm not going to fly home today. And I promised to play at 110% to see what's possible and to not ruin anyone else's time here. And it was a very uncomfortable retreat for me. And it was a very uncomfortable, lots of weird things that I wouldn't have signed up for anyway, you know, otherwise. But by the end of that retreat, it had changed me. And from that retreat forward for the last, you know, almost two years, it's been the happiest and most present I've ever been. And those are things that help keep the relationship new and fresh by putting ourselves in these brand new situations. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, I'm curious to know, what was making love like before you met each other to now? I didn't know something called soulful sex actually existed until I met my husband. And soulful sex and intimacy are such a huge part of our relationship. How important are they for you guys? And what was lovemaking like before and now? I think by default, um, it was always more exciting at first when it's something brand new. And so you have to work at trying to keep it new. You have to work at trying to keep it consistent. You have to work at trying to not get caught up in the day-to-day of just life happening. Because, you know, when you first meet and it's exciting and you're driven by hormones, it is so easy to have a great love life. When you're running businesses together and you've been together for 15 years and, you know, you've done all the tricks already together for the <laughs> most part, you know, it, it's it, there's a lot of things that can kill that intimacy. And I actually saw a great TED Talk once by Esther Perel. I hope I'm saying her name right. Where she kind of made the point that the things that feed a stable, strong relationship, like consistency and trust um, and familiarity, are the same things that kill a romantic sex life. And that is newness and risk and unfamiliarity um, is are the things that typically make a brand new sex life exciting. And so it's always a work in progress for us to try and remind each other, hey, you know, we got to make this a priority again, or hey, we got to make sure that um, we're being intimate enough. And even if it just starts with a little bit of physical touch to see where it goes, you you have to make it a conscious decision. And what do you think, Lori? Well, I also think it's completely different because like you said in the beginning, I'll just totally tailspin off of what he said. But I don't think you even know. Okay, so we were like 20 when we met. So you are a completely different person. You're not really bringing in soulfulness or thinking about anything else besides just being attracted to this person. And then you go through a lifetime with somebody. And I do think that growth together has been one of the biggest, most beautiful things um, that can add to a sex life and add to making it a lot more soulful and more conscious because you are more conscious. You're not only conscious of the importance, but you're conscious of each other, who the person is. Maybe you're conscious of really needing to communicate because I think communication in that is probably the toughest thing for people. I know that we've had to have some hard conversations to really communicate maybe what each person needs or what works for people. And that's not an easy conversation to have. 
And I think that it can just make it so much better if you're both conscious. You know, and I'll add one more thing to it too. I think this is really important. And sometimes it can be a little controversial, but hey, this is an agreement that Lori and I made. And that is, we have made the agreement to do our best to stay as fit and sexy and physically attractive um, as individuals for each other as we can be. And I would say we're, we're even more fit and, and sexier than when we met. And it's an agreement that we made because, you know, I'm sure I'll get backlash for this, but how dare you expect to have the exact same sexual feelings over somebody if they're 50 pounds heavier now or 100 pounds heavier now? And so we've really made that a conscious thing in our relationship to keep our our mental and physical selves as sexy as possible. And let me tell you, when it slips for me, if I've if I'm five, 10 pounds up or something like that, and I'm not liking my, you know, my love handles or I can't see my abs or, you know, there's something that I don't like about my body where I don't even like looking in the mirror because we're all our, our own self hardest judges. Well, then I don't feel sexy and, and I don't feel like I want to, you know, go make a move on Lori and that kind of thing. I really just want to turn the lights out and hope that she hasn't touched my stomach that night. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, being, I'm just being honest. And so that's been an, another agreement that we made not to be shallow, not to be, um, you know, just a, about yourself. aesthetics, but to love ourselves and to feel sexy so that we actually will be sexually attracted to each other. I totally agree, guys. I believe the same thing, that in order to be of service to your lover, you have to show up for yourself first. And I'm curious to know, besides looking after yourselves physically, is there any other ways that you individually make sure that you are overflowing with love and showing up as the best person that you can be individually? Like he just said, honestly, if you do not love yourself first, you can't think outside of yourself. It's like you can't even see your partner if you feel bad about something, if you feel like you're lacking, if you feel like you are missing your spiritual connection. So I think the most important that we both do is we tap into our spiritual connection with God every morning, source, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think that is number one for us is really having our own spiritual connection and we do that a lot through being physical, physical fitness, and with meditation in the morning, with prayer. Um, Chris is so good with it. The second his eyes open, he'll say gratitudes in a prayer. And I'm usually still pretty groggy and, and just repeating what he says. So I'm doing it lazy. Um, but, but that is huge for us. The second our eyes open, before anyone gets any attention from us, we're going to give it up to God. We're going to say our gratitudes to each other. We're going to make sure that we're filling our cup first. Because when we don't do that, we are completely different people. I love that. We've adopted this theory of put your oxygen mask on first so you can be the best version of yourself to go help the other person. And, and we do wake up with mantras. We do wake up with gratitude. I wake Lori up every single morning saying, I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, and more fit than I was yesterday. And I make her say it back until she says it with meaning. Like she'll say it groggy. She'll be like, uh, I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, say it better. And she's so mad at me. And she'll say it a little bit better. I'll be like, say it better. And I'll make her say it so that she means it. And I'm sure I'm so annoying. She calls me too happy in the morning. I love it. That's why I need it, though, is because I'm a little bit opposite. Right, because we need to control the very first thoughts that come into our minds right away in the beginning of the day so that we are choosing our day and our day is not choosing us. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. Chris, I'm like you and Lori, you are my husband. I'm the one that's like, good morning. And I'm like, darling, what are three things you're grateful for? And he's like, and I'm like, no, mean it, say it, really mean it. And then I've got like this long list of things and we do the exact same thing, you know, and I'm that little energizer bunny like you, Chris. It's very, very funny. I'm sure I'm the most annoying person in the morning too. Oh, we love it though. Like we need it. That's why we're with like, that's exactly why we're with you guys is because we know our soul knows what we need. (laughs) Totally. So I am curious to know now, is there one thing that you would like to work on or improve within your relationship right now? Like, is there anything that you're kind of like, you know what, I'd really like to work on this or improve this? You know, I'd like to play even more. I feel like we are pretty playful at home, but I would like to go out and play. Like I feed on um, surfing, playing, like when I can get into that state, but I have trouble getting into it, but it's truly where I thrive and it's who I am at my core. Um, I think there was just a point in my life where I thought I had to be serious and, and, you know, be all business. So I kind of divorced that side of myself. And I really want to reclaim that side because I know he loves that side. Um, So I'd love to play more in our marriage. I'd love to travel more. I'd love to be less. um, I'm very rigid. I can be very rigid. I love rituals, but I'd like to, I'd like to be less attached to my rituals. And I think that would create a lot more fun. Yeah. Same thing here. I'm all about routine and I'm all about rituals, but I also want to vary away from them a little bit more. And, And like you said before, we do go to a lot of events where we're kind of quote in the public spotlight. And so I can tell that we're more rigid sometimes in those situations when instead of being more rigid, I would love to be just as playful and just as um, romantic and just as affectionate and all that. And and so that's something that we've been really working on now is to show up the exact same way in public as we would at home and to not hold back and, and to not be so rigid. I love that. Thanks for sharing guys. Now let's pretend that you both have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides your books, is there one book and you can each answer, what book would you put in the high school curriculum? I'm going to say this one because it changed our life and it changed our marriage and it changed the way we thought. And it's so basic, but it's um, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker, because we read it together. It was the first book we have read together. And it was kind of in the beginning of our self-development journey. And it literally changed our entire way of living, of being, of looking at money, of things, of energy, of each other, and of what's possible. And I think mine would be Conversations with God, because it is, you know, God, universe, spirit, whatever you call it. It is one of the best books that answers all of the weird questions that you've ever had, no matter what religion you've grown up in. It takes all the restrictions out. It, it takes all the scariness out and, and it just makes everything so fluid and understandable. Do you know I had Neil Donald Walsh on my podcast? You have to go back and listen to it. Um, you would absolutely love it because Conversations with God is one of my favorite books ever. That's amazing. I'm totally going to listen to that. You will love it. So, I am obsessed with 
morning routines and how people prime themselves for the day. So let's talk about how your days look. Like how do you structure your days and in particular, how you set up your day in the morning to set you up for success? So as I mentioned before, I literally wake Lori up with that mantra. I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, and more fit than I was yesterday. And and I make her say it with, with spirit. And then I kind of immediately fall into this 60 to 120 second prayer of gratitude. And, and it's really juvenile. If you could be inside my head and hear it, it's, it's so juvenile. It's like, I'm grateful that the blankets are warm. I'm grateful for this beautiful home that I woke up in. I'm grateful that the dog is laying across my legs. I'm grateful for this house. I'm grateful um, for my body. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my loved ones. And it just goes through this silly but very important list of things I'm grateful for. And, and by the end of the one to two minutes, you know, I, I feel incredible, like, a, you know, grateful to be awake. And maybe that's where some of my cheesy happiness comes from in the morning is, is because of that practice. And then both Lori and I, you know, we have our coffee and we kind of read and, and just kind of keep to ourselves. We're actually very quiet in the morning after that for about the first 20, 30 minutes. And then we go into a prayer and meditation for 10 or 15 minutes. And we used to try and make it longer. And we found that, yeah, it wasn't working. So we, we kind of gave in and said, okay, if it's only 10 minutes of morning and that's all we can get, then that's better than doing a half hour once a week. And so, you know, for 10, sometimes we stretch it to 15 minutes. We do our prayer and our meditation. And then we go off to some form of a workout together. Mm-hmm. And it's probably 1030 or 11 o'clock by the time we're home from all of that. And we've got this thing and it's different for everybody, but we've got this thing where we have said to put ourselves first, nobody can get a hold of us. And we won't take business calls. We won't take anything until that 11 o'clock hour, because that is our time to start the day together with our routine and the way that we want to be so that we can be the best versions of ourselves for everybody else after that time for the rest of the day. Mm, I love it. Then what happens after that? Oh, it is so different every day. (laughs) Um, For a while I was writing, so I just finished a book on Friday. But before that, Chris does a lot of coaching. I'll let you, I'll let you say your part. For the most part, I was doing enrollment for network market, our network marketing company. I was doing some uh, different programs that I work with. I have a membership site, um, do a lot of different interviews and podcasting. So it's different throughout the week. I try to keep some routine in there, um, such as with my podcast, with our meetings, but a lot of different appointments all over the place. And that is actually something I want to get better with is making a more structured week and planning in more play. You know, you? Same thing. We, we go our separate ways at 11 o'clock and a lot of times I won't even see her, even if we're in the same house until our walk that evening. But I run off to meetings. I do podcast interviews. Um, I do my coaching sessions with, with any clients and She's off doing her thing. And, and so it's good that we have that separation, even if it's the same business that we're working on or some of the same businesses, it's good that we have that separation until we come together um, at the end of the day again. I love that. We just ask in the morning, I'm like, what time is the walk? What time yeah. are you done? Yep. <laughs> is it 630? Is it 730? What time is the walk? That's all I want to know. Mm, I love that. And do you guys have separate offices in the house? 
Yes. Yeah. Mm, that's really important. I think I we unfortunately don't at the moment. We've got a two bedroom apartment, so there's one office, but I kind of get kicked out into the kitchen table. <laughs> but having that separateness is really important. You know, it's been um, really game changing. I'm not going to lie. And especially during book writing, I, I actually just went to a coffee shop and made it my office. Like I had it in my calendar that at noon every day, I'd be up at a coffee shop. Didn't matter which one or where it was like, I would have it planned. And that was it, just getting out of the house and getting away and having your space, because there is something about just having that energy in your home, like right next to you. Or when you feel like Maybe it's your dining room table. I worked at my dining room table for a long time before we had separate offices. And it it was challenging because it feels like your home space. Mm, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And I'm the same. I go to the library or a cafe or sometimes stay on the kitchen table. But you do need to have a separate space. I think anyone who can work and live and have the same office, I just think that's just amazing, but my husband and I definitely need that separation. And I'm curious to know, do you guys have any boundaries toward the end of the day? So, do you kind of say, right, 6 p.m., no more work talk, let's close our laptops? Like, do you have any boundaries around that? Mm, They're pretty flexible. As long as we can be eating or walking by usually, I would say, what, 7.30 is typically our wrap time. Yeah. Yeah. Because once that happens, then then work is put away and it really is about becoming a couple again. So I guess that would be the boundary yeah. is, I hate to keep referencing this this silly walk, but that is our boundary. That is when we're not taking calls anymore. We're not doing anything anymore. We're not buried in our laptops anymore. Um, and we are just a couple, you know, hanging out together, picking out dinner and, you know, interacting and talking about our day and maybe watching some mindless TV once in a great while and, just being together. And we go to bed early. So it's not, it's not all that long. But we, we try to be in bed at like 9, 9.30 every single night. So it's only a couple of hours max, but there's some of the most important couple hours of the day. Mm, I love that, guys. Now, I'm curious to hear, you guys are massive fans of gratitude. What are three things that you are grateful for right now? Right now, food just came up because it's almost <laughs> dinner time. My health, food, and relationships. We are, we've become so blessed in the last few years with the most incredible friends, and it's added so much to our relationship. Uh, mine is that Lori is done writing her book because it is <laughs> very disruptive in a good way, like blessed to be busy. Um, and it is the people that we have been able to attract and invite into our lives the past 12 to 18 months have been amazing. I mean, outstanding. And it it still feels unbelievable to me. So I'm really grateful for that. And then listen, I, uh, I don't mean to say it because it sounds canned or or to discount it, but I'm grateful for Lori because we actually had this conversation. Was that today or yesterday, babe? I forget, but we had this conversation about how far she's taken me in life by exposing me to new things that I would have never tried and where I might've ended up if, oh, it was last night at the end of our walk, where I might have ended up, you know, had she not exposed me to these things, I would not be the happy individual that feels the most fit I've ever felt. And that is, you know, knows how to be happy and what practices going to go into being happy. I wouldn't be that person uh, without her. So that's definitely the third thing. 
Oh, I love you guys. So I've got a couple more questions. In your opinion, individually, what is one of the most important things that we can do for our health? Well, for me, the very first thing I started doing was moving. And that's it. It doesn't even matter if it's five minutes, if it's 10 minutes, the power of just going and moving your body is going to open up so much more for you. It's going to open up um, that gateway to a better thought. It's going to open up a better decision that day. It's going to clear out a lot of different things that maybe are blocking um, that little voice, your soul. It's going to, it just opens everything up. So I would say if the first thing you could do is just start moving, I think that's a beautiful foundation for other great habits. Mine would be find a healthy tribe and, and stick to them because those happy hour friends, they might be the fun ones, but they are not doing anything for your health. And you're going to be the average of the five or six people you spend the most time around. And so if the five or six people you spend the most time around are, are drinking all the time, well, you're going to drink more. Or if they're um, eating bad foods all the time and going to you know these incredible restaurant openings, well, then you're going to do that a little bit more. Or if they're you know not going to exercise, if they're saying, hey, we're just going to do this little light walk and, and call that exercise instead of something intense, well, then that's what you're going to do. So Make sure you seek out and insert yourself into a a pretty fit or healthy tribe. Great tips. Now, what is one of the most important things that we could do for more wealth in our life? This is abundance in all areas of your life and financially, if you want to go down that route. I'll go first. It's a good question. Yeah, this is the area I love talking about. I mean, it's my whole podcast for the love of money, right? So- the number one thing you can do for abundance, more abundance in your life, is to be unapologetic about it. We spend our entire time, you know, pretending to not want to be wealthy and saying things like, oh, I'm not doing it for the money, or, you know, oh, I, I don't need to get paid for this, or, or saying, I don't want to be rich, I just want to be comfortable. We say these things, but dang it, we know we don't mean them, or we've tricked ourselves into thinking we mean them, when of course life would be easier and we would have more options if we were abundant, if we were wealthy, if we were open to the relationships and the connections and the decisions that made us more abundant. And so let's stop apologizing for our pursuit of wealth and our pursuit of success. And let's start being open about it. Because when you're unapologetic and open about your pursuit of wealth, your pursuit of success, all the right people show up and all the right opportunities show up. And all everything you've been wishing for shows up when you finally speak up and say, yes, dang it, I do want this. Who can help me? I was just in that. I was yes, like, so yes, was I. Yes. I was like high-fiving you from all the way from Australia. <laughs> I literally just had to tap Lori on the leg. She was like in this trance. <laughs> no, I could just feel. <laughs> I was like, okay, more abundance. Yeah, yes. yes, I was like, yes, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But you know what? Like, Chris, I could just feel your passion when you were talking then. It was literally hitting me right in the heart space. And I was just like, yes, go for it. Let's do it. Because I have experienced it with, you know, with the work that I do. It's like, we can all be wildly wealthy, whatever that means for you. And we can do it unapologetically. Like, you know, we need money to live in this world and um, we don't have to apologize for it. And I've had to do a lot of rewriting of my money story and letting go of a lot of my limiting money beliefs that I had learned from my parents. And 
it wasn't a walk in the park, but I cannot tell you how rewarding it is when you actually allow yourself and open yourself up to abundance. Totally. I mean, you having, and I'm just going to make up numbers, right? You having a million dollars doesn't mean somebody else has a million dollars less. New wealth is being created every single day, and there's enough to go around for absolutely everybody. So, you know, let's put these, these negative stories to bed. And let's all go out and, and unapologetically just grab what we were meant to grab and what we were meant to have so that we can then turn around and, you know, pay it right back into the very same system that, that delivered it to us. Mm, I agree. I would say give it new meaning, give abundance and wealth new meaning. And you really need to attach a new idea of what you can do with abundance of what you would do, of what that would look like, because it's really just, it's the same as everything else, right? It's rewiring around your idea of what wealth and abundance is and the possibilities. It's just, we we're so connected to our pain and fear story. And that's where we go every single day instead of the possibility story of what could I do with this money? What could this look like? How much better of a person could I be? And I think that's when you really start to create those shifts. So I would say focus on the possibility over your feeling stuck. Mm. I've had our mutual, beautiful mutual friend, Peter Kelly, on the show, and we spoke about rewriting your money story. And it was one of the most downloaded podcast episodes. And it just went to, it just showed me just how much people really want to move through this and how many blocks people actually have. So thank you so much for sharing. And now I would love to hear what is one of the most important thing that you think we could do for more love in our life? I think give yourself more love first. I really believe if you want more love, you have to first do the things um, for yourself to love who you are. Um, because when you radiate love, when you love yourself, people can't help but love you. You're, you're in that space you want to give it out more often because you love who you are. You're not thinking of just yourself because you are, you, you're, you know, you're feeling confident about yourself. You're doing beautiful things for yourself. So then you want to pay that feeling forward. It's just a natural thing, which seems unnatural that if you just spend time loving yourself, you're going to get love, you're going to receive love, but it's the truth. And mine would be trade judgment for loving people more. And this has been a very personal journey for me. I don't, I don't know why, I don't know how, but I found myself a little while back as a person that really judged other people a lot. And then, of course, because I was judging other people, I, was, I had all the fear that I was being judged all the time. And it becomes a vicious circle. And um, after a lot of self-work, you know, I decided to trade it for loving people more. And when I love people more than again, that becomes a positive self-fulfilling prophecy or, or, or circle. So you really get to choose if you want to give and love, uh, receive love or if you want to give and receive judgment. And let me tell you, it feels way better to give and receive love than it does judgment. Mm, amen. Couldn't agree more. Guys, this has just been so amazing. And I have one last question. What is one thing that I personally can do and the listeners can do to serve you today? Oh my gosh. Um, well, that's, I mean, that is like such a loaded question. Honestly, we are so fulfilled. I think it's just serving yourself, sharing more love. Oh, I'll tell you what. 
I will unapologetically ask for people to tune into my podcast for the love of money. You can find it on iTunes or just go to for the love of money.com because I wake up every day wanting more and more people to lift those limiting beliefs around their money mindset. And the only way I know how to do that is by interviewing as many people possible, you know, showing how they got through their um, money mindset journey and, and what's come of it. So you know, please tune into those, subscribe to those, and uh, I promise to do my best to always deliver epic lessons. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we will put links to all of that in the show notes. And before we go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being so open and authentic and honest with us. I'm so grateful for this conversation and for you guys just being totally unapologetically yourselves. And you guys are on my gratitude list today. So thank you so much for showing up for the work that you both do in the world and for just being the light. Melissa, thank you so much for having us on. It was a total privilege and actually really fun. Thank you, Melissa. I have loved your journey. I've loved following you. I loved our conversation on our podcast. I just love what you're doing in the world and you truly are making such a ripple and you are unapologetic, but in the most beautiful, graceful way. Oh, thank you. I think the same about you guys. And I hope to catch up with you in person one day soon. We will. We'll make that happen. We have to. What a great conversation. I could have spoken to them for hours. I got so many potent reminders from this episode. And a couple of things I'm going to borrow, such as the fry dates. I really loved that. And I thought it was super cute. So I'm going to be borrowing that one for sure. And if you loved today's episode as much as I did, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes because that means we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to interview on the show. And don't forget everything that we mentioned in today's podcast, you can check out in the show notes and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 39. And you can check out all my other podcast episodes there too. And if you sign up to my newsletter, you will be the very first to know when you can pre-order my next book, Open Wide, which is coming out so soon. I am very excited. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself possible, and for showing up today for you. You seriously rock and inspire me so much. Now, if there is someone in your life that you could think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram, on your Instagram stories, because they will thank you later. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. 